Hello and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 197th episode, our returning guest is Brandon Chapman. First heard Brandon Chapman on episode 14, where he appeared alongside Josh Sigler and his solo appearances on episodes 97, 132, 157, and 166. Brandon Chapman is a sports podcaster who hosts a baseball coach's show, Swing Away, and Sounding Off, the latter of which I have been a guest on, and co-hosts Chap and Teach Take Me Back, 90s, which I have also been a guest on, with co-host John Robertson, who also appeared on episode 183 of this podcast. Brandon resides in Peru, Indiana with his wife, Abby. He graduated from IUK in May 2018 with a BS in communication with a concentration in public speaking. He was recently named the Indiana High School Baseball Coaches Association, IHSBCA, 2021 E-District Media Person of the Year. And now on to the show. How old is this now? The oldest is uh, six, but in a matter of uh, days, he'll be seven. So no kidding. Less than a month, he'll be seven. I know it's crazy. He's and then you just had a baby last year. Yeah, she just turned one in April, a um, couple of days, two days before my birthday. So, um, but yeah, she uh, she's the party animal though. She's the one that stays up until midnight, dancing around and screaming. So, um, she's like me though. But it makes sense since she's so close to my birthday. She's exactly <laughs> like that. I was going to say she gets up bad. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Speaking of which, you you go to bed pretty early on the on on the weeknights, huh? So. Well, I'm I'm up at six. So. Okay, yeah, I get it. I'm not even yeah. up at six. So yeah, I, I'm up at six. I gotta open my store at seven. So wow. Okay, gotcha. Understood. Well, thanks for doing this tonight. You don't have to work tomorrow, I guess. No vacation day, baby. Cool. Excellent. Doing anything fun? No, I'm actually going to. Uh, I'm meeting a buddy over at uh, Tipton Pizza King. So uh, <laughs> that that's the highlight of my day. Gotcha. Um, hey, was there a, was there an earthquake today? There was! Okay. When, when did it happen? Around like 320. 3.20. I must have been driving then, because I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel it. It was a, did it shake a lot? So, I was sitting at my desk working on some stuff on the computer, and my computer just starts shaking. And huh. I was like, what is going on? And I could kind of feel like a rumble. Hmm. And... There had been some people working close to my shop, so like some, uh, some like road work and stuff. So I didn't kind of think a whole lot about it, but like my computer monitor, it wasn't mm. just like a shake, like a, it was like something hit. Mm. My computer shook for like 15, 20 seconds, and I'm like, what is going on? And then I see on Twitter that there was an earthquake west of Indy. Mm-hmm. So supposedly, uh, our buddy Sigler, his in-laws up in Mishawaka said they felt it. Wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I completely missed it. I, I did live in California for three years. I don't know if maybe I'm just like dead to it now because I did. There was one that was like a five when I was there that like it was like, oh, wow. I remember that. Like I was like, whoa, that was something. Uh, And there when, when I was a kid, there was one. How, Ash, how old was that one when we were three? So I was like four, five. Yeah, there was one I remember when I was a kid in Indiana, but. Yeah, not so much lately, but that's crazy, though. I remember in my early 20s, and I only remember this because my wife called me. We were just dating at the time. She called me and woke me up because there was a little mini earthquake or whatever here around Peru or wherever it was. Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, did you feel that? And I go, no, I was sleeping. So uh, this is my first earthquake. So uh, in in rural Indiana, you know, making the 35 years old with uh, my first earthquake, I'd say that's pretty good. Right, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a deeply unsettling feeling though. I know, I know exactly what it feels like, but that's crazy. Um, I didn't know you were in California for a bit, so tell me, like, I mean, a five must really kind of mess you up a little bit. Like, you're like, oh shit. It it felt like somebody like ran their car into the building I was in. It didn't wouldn't like knock me over or anything, but it was like it was like boom, like everything like shifted, and it was like, oh man, that was serious. Like there was no like as soon as it happened, I was like, yes, I know exactly what that is. I just watched it. You know, I was always I would always wonder like, is that was that an is that an earthquake? And people are always like, no, that's not don't worry. When there's an earthquake in California you will know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, people in California know what Right. Exactly. 
No, there was buildings in California, like the uh, the cafe. I I lived in Ukiah, California. One of the one of the one of the buildings that cafe or whatever. I remember from when I lived there, and I remember on the outside it said, "If there's an earthquake in this building, you're we are not responsible for what happens to you. <laughs> like the masonry <laughs> here is not earthquake safe. So you're you, you're here, and if if there's an earthquake, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, they were saying out there like. Like, you know how we drive here, and there'll be, like, yeah. dump trucks that'll say, hey, we're not responsible for broken windshields. Right. Right, right, you right. basically have buildings out there saying, hey, if we have an earthquake, we're not responsible for your Yeah, death. exactly. This is a okay. historical building, and, and you're, you're responsible for your own safety. In can, here. Can, can we talk about how you can just slap a sticker on something saying you're not responsible, and apparently that's legal? Yeah, right. I I didn't know that was the way it was. <laughs> I like I like how there's like the oversized load thing that comes down the highway, and then there's a house, and it's like, okay. I mean, how is that okay? Like, it's like it's oversized, so it's not supposed to be here. It's like you're, like you're not... you like they have nothing short of like a written sign, like almost like, right. I mean almost like a marker saying wide load, you know, not yeah. responsible. Like, how does that hold up in a court? <laughs> Abandon all hope, you who enter here. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah anyway uh thanks for coming back on the podcast dude it's always a pleasure man i always get a kick out of every time you ask me so, yeah uh, it's, it's, it's always enjoyable to me i know i'm not your typical uh style or for your typical audience but i do enjoy getting to talk to uh the guy who kind of helped me along i always kiss your ass but it's true uh i i will always tell people you know that uh, i i I picked your brain and got to uh, got my start based off of your assistance. Well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, I don't take that for granted at all. Um, and you know, I, I uh, just see the growth that that you've had with what you're doing, and I, I see that you're. I just feel like you're you're getting better and better at it. Honestly. Well, thank you, man. I really try. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, your show has changed a lot over the pandemic and obviously uh, for other reasons, too. But kind of tell me about how it is just being a solo host. This is, you know, a new a new a new you've turned a new leaf. I. I was a little nervous in the beginning because for me, you know, doing something solo is a huge like i mean you know this like when you're doing it solo like it's on you there's mm-hmm. nobody to help you along if you fall flat it's all you there's nobody to if, if you're diving there's nobody to help you pull it up so mm-hmm. um i always felt like i had the most dedication of my show amongst you know who, who was participating and it was like i mean so like if anybody was going to make it do anything it was going to be me um so there was a little bit of nerves in that way but in the end, it was still doing the same thing of just like interviewing kids and interviewing coaches and stuff like that. The biggest thing for me was this spring, um, I was asked by some coaches to do like a baseball show mm-hmm. because nobody in the area does it. There's nobody doing a coach's show for, for high school baseball. That for me was, okay, I can ask kids stupid questions. Like I, I can – I can navigate kids into making a good conversation and, you know, I can kind of be a little juvenile to an extent and make it work. No big deal. But here I am talking to other grown adults, coaches in positions and stuff like that. I was really nervous. Like I didn't want to suck. So that, that was my biggest thing. Just every week. Don't suck. (laughs) Well, you didn't suck. I was interested and uh, it was an interesting turn for the show too, because you have these kids come in and they might be in one sport and multiple sports. You've had people in, in to interview for uh, different sports that they're involved in, but if there's repeat, obviously we all know the, the three sport athletes among the high school students uh, and you, you have those on, but generally you just talk to a team once a, a year, basically if that, and here you had the unique challenge of talking to the same group of, like you said, coaches, not players, and it was going to be the same ones each week. So that's right there. That's another difference, right? Right. And so for me, you know, not all programs are created equal. I can't talk to the Western Panthers the same way I talk to a Tri-Central. The Western Panthers were considered to be the best program in the area. Tri-Central went winless. Mm. I can't ask them the same questions. I can't treat them the same. Mm-hmm. Because they they don't require the same the same interview, 
So each week was different based off the success of the team or what was going on, peaks and valleys. And I also had to make sure the coaches were engaged and not just answering the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. So I actually explained it to one of the coaches, you know, the, not to toot my own horn or anything, but they ended up naming me uh, media person of the year for their region. Uh, no, oh, forget I- that. Toot your own horn, man. That's great. That's <laughs> that's an accomplishment. So, so Don't take any of that for granted. I was the IHS BCA E District uh, media person of the year, uh, and so I was talking to say, one of the uh. coaches, you're right. <laughs> so I, was talk- I-, I was talking to one of the coaches, and he's like, "Hey, man, we really appreciate what you do." And I was like, "Thanks, man." I go, "I just," and I kind of gave him that rundown, like. You know, I've always wanted to make sure it was engaging and I wasn't asking you guys the same thing every week. I wasn't asking the same play, the same coaches back to back, the same questions, stuff like that. And one coach literally goes, I had no idea about that. He's like, I never would have thought of that. You know how you can't talk to us the same way as you would a rebuild versus a team that's reloading, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And he goes, it's all more reason on why you deserve the award. And I was like, dude, you know, that's awesome. Like, I, and congratulations to you. I know you just got some awards for, a, mm-hmm. for the newspaper and everything that you do. So it, it's really a humbling feeling when other people acknowledge that you're good at something. Mm-hmm. And for me, in everything that I've always done, I'm really uncomfortable when people tell me how much they appreciate what I do. Because I don't think I'm good. I, I, I really don't. I, I'm self-deprecating to that regard. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I realize there's a niche. I realize I'm filling it. I'm realizing mm-hmm. I know I'm personable. I know people like to talk to me. I know there's a comfort level there. Um, I just don't want to sound stupid. And so that's always I, I, I never try to get sound bites. I'm never trying to get like a gotcha journalism or anything like that. It's more like an, an, an I, I think of it as like an expose or a highlight piece every time I interview a team. Mm-hmm. So I'm well, Sometimes things go really well. Sometimes things can kind of go off course a little bit. Either way, but the kids have fun. The kids get attention. I enjoy it, and everybody tells me how much I enjoy it. So I just I always get really uncomfortable when people tell me that. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's super nice to be recognized for what we do. You know, let's not gloss over uh, these awards. The, the course it's subjective. Of course, it's you know how judging the arts. You know what I mean? There, it's not like a sports <laughs> event. It's just like what the yeah, other. But it is humbling and it is uh, an honor to be. And you mentioned these coaches are our other grown people. So this is your peers. Uh, when your peers acknowledge you, it's it's really something else. I was telling uh, Sigler the same thing. Uh, he was talking about how he's an award-winning journalist too. And shout out to him for that. But uh it, it it is like something special it's like i know i'm good at I, I know what i'm good at and i know what i'm not good at and what i'm good at is what i do and and it's nice to be for someone else to say yeah i agree and i'm like yeah <laughs> finally somebody said something you know? shout out to sig because i got to job mm-hmm. shadow him quite a bit and 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 to see how he you know he was a sports guy and that's mm-hmm. you know where i'm at and you know you helped me with the podcasting format and how to operate that he helped me with like how to ask the like how to really treat people, like how to ask the good questions. I watch professional journalists from like the New York outlets who are on TV and all this stuff, and I hear some of the questions they ask, and they should be fired. Mm-hmm. It is negligent. Oh yeah. And so and so to be able to like you know learn from him the way he does things and how you do things, I think at the end of the day. We just want respect. We mm-hmm. want the people that we're talking to to respect us, and I want to show them the same respect. For sure, 100%. And, you know, you mentioned not thinking you're good, and I think that means you have good taste. There's a Ira Glass quote, quote about how everyone who ends up making something worthwhile hates what they do at first because they have good taste and they haven't achieved it yet, and they start getting better and better and getting closer to what they like. But at first, it's like... You know, the reason you're not thinking it's good immediately is because it's like you know what you have a vision, right? You know what you like and you know th- what you think's good and it's not quite not quite there. But along the way, you're doing, you know, all the things you need to to get where you're going. Um, Let me ask you, do you listen to your own shows? Uh, certain episodes, yeah, I have listened to a few times. Cause... I, I, th- I think the reason that I say that I'm not good or whatever, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of twofold. Like. I know I ask good questions because I pride myself on that. Like I put the work in. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I feel, you know, there's times I've been negligent and kind of mailed it in. And I, I feel like I cheat somebody when I do that. So these people are giving me my, they're giving me their time. They deserve my time and my work and my effort as well. Mm-hmm. But I guess I, I think I hate my voice. I hate listening to my voice. And so 
because like it's that old adage like i know how i sound in my head it is not how i sound on recording so mm-hmm. it, it's like i hate listening to me and so that's probably why i'm so critical of myself but yeah. i do know i do know that i ask good questions i have a mm-hmm. good format i have a good banter back and forth with people i just don't like listening to myself <laughs> oh yeah no i the the main thing i edit out of my shows is me talking in between when other people are talking. <laughs> so I listen back, I'm like, dude, shush. N- next question, <laughs> get on with it. Like, I'm like, and yelling at myself in post, like, come on, <laughs> get to the point, Rob. <laughs> but yeah, I hate, I hate my own voice too. I notice all my verbal tics when I go back and edit myself. I'm probably going to hear them right now um, when I'm editing this later. But uh, yeah, no, certain, no, but there are certain episodes I really do come back to uh but yeah some of it sometimes it's like uh, once is <laughs> i experienced it when it was happening that's enough <laughs> yeah and i agree with you because I, I know how i conversate with people and i know how i interact mm-hmm. like someone can be talking and i'll sit there and, and just kind of like you just do i'll sit there and go uh-huh uh-huh as they're talking like right. i'm agreeing with them and everything like that and but in reality like for me when i'm recording and stuff like that i i, I really pull that back and mm-hmm. so with, with the way we do it now, doing it via Zoom and everything like that, like I'll see myself, I'll nod my head. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm acknowledging all that stuff without saying it. And mm-hmm. I think that's been part of the transition for me. It's kind of been helpful too because doing it – because I mean, cause they're seeing me as well. They can see me acknowledge what they're saying. They can see me agreeing with them or disagreeing with them or whatever. I don't have to say or, or make a sound to let them know, which is right. kind of, has kind of been something that I've noticed as I've been doing it via Zoom. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good to have that verbal. Because if, yeah, if I'm interviewing somebody uh, for, like, I've done radio stories before, and, like, if I'm standing in front of someone with a recorder, I don't have to, like, say, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can just, like, nod my head vigorously while keeping extreme eye contact with them while I, I'm just recording every word they say, and I don't need to, you know what I mean? It's kind of the same thing you're saying with, like, Zoom. So so, so my question for you is it's, it's a little different because, like, you know, you're on the you're on the print side, so, uh-huh. so your actual job is, you know, you can sit there and have whatever conversations you want, and then you get to go back and kind of rehash it and write out your story. Right. By doing the podcast, it's real time. Like you mm-hmm. kind of have to. It, 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 it it's a different operation. Oh and yeah. So for you, I guess I, I I'm curious on what's been the biggest struggle, or what have you seen yourself working on the most via doing like the podcast versus maybe your, you know, your, your journalist job. Well, when I'm talking to somebody for the newspaper, I'm generally driving at the story I'm writing and I'm trying to get there in the quickest way possible. Cause I know I'm going to have to go back and transcribe everything and pick out the important parts. So the, I'm just really trying to get them to the point and get out of there <laughs> as quickly as I can a lot of the times, just for efficiency's sake. If I'm talking to like two or three people for each story, it's like I can't I can't sit here for an hour like I do on my podcast and, and just extrapolate on these ideas, uh, you know, <laughs> without a time limit. It's like I, you know, I, the podcast, I'm not going back and transcribing this. I'm not trying to fit it into a story. I'm not trying to compare it with other sources. It's just it is the thing it's happening so you're much more relaxed you're yes 100 percent. yeah wherever it goes with the podcast right like, like, well that's kind of the, yeah that's the freedom with with the format i think that's what initially i can i think just attracted me to it because it's like you're right you get these in-depth long form i don't want a sound bite i want the whole you know i don't want a snack i want the meal i want the feast give me the whole course all the courses give me all the courses you know what i mean like i don't want a snack size thing for instance, yeah, there was a reporter who asked the Yankees manager a week ago because they were in the midst of a losing streak. He goes, do you think the team's getting used to losing? Mm. Like, wow. that's the dumbest question you could ever ask. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's the kind of shit. I'm like, you're getting paid probably really good money to go and ask those type of, those type of questions. Right, right. Absolutely. The, my, my favorite thing, interviewing coaches kids because kids most kids have never done an interview until i do it with them but when i interview coaches especially people who have been doing it a long time uh one of my greatest things was i interviewed jeff perlman uh new york times bestselling author and i interviewed him and one him and bob kravitz and they both said wow that's a really good question i've never been asked that Mm -hmm. before that is that is the biggest compliment i think when you're interviewing somebody that you can say that because it's Mm -hmm. like 
I'm an, I consider myself an amateur at this stuff, but I got these guys who, who, who do it. You know, when you're talking about Jeff Roman, Bob Kravitz, you know, guys like, you know, who are in that industry, like they spend their lives interviewing people. So it's like, they know a good question. And when mm-hmm. they tell you that's a good question, that's not bullshit. They're literally mm-hmm. saying, that's a really good question, which is a badge of honor for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, but going back to these coaches though, um, I, I want to, I want to talk about some of the ones that maybe, uh, which was the one that went winless? Oh, coach Arnold at tri central <laughs> shout out to them for never giving up. You know what I mean? I appreciate you. And, and you also for coming back every week and be like, where are we finding the bright spots here? Cause it's like you to, to just keep coming back over and over and again. But I did, you know, even in their own ways, was it, weren't these the ones, the kids that didn't even know the positions or whatever in the game. And like, they didn't know the basics by the, by the end of the year they did. So that's kind of a, a victory in and of itself. Um, <laughs> you know, bless Coach Arnold. He was one of them that I, I, I kind of I, I didn't dread interviewing him, but I was kind of mm-hmm. because that there was very seldom like you know a lot of good things to talk about because this is a results based you know game and you know we got to talk about results. I have to recap your week where you guys got beat twenty two to two. Like we've got to talk about it. Like it sucks. But mm-hmm. he was a person who, I think, from the get-go, you know, acknowledged that this season was judged based off wins and losses. And so we talked about other things. We talked about, hey, you know, where has this team grown from two months ago? Where is this, you know, what's better than knowing that, hey, we're not going to win games, but we're making strides. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's cool for me because uh, I plan to continue to do that that show, do the coaches show, and, and I hope. In another year or two, we're talking about them competing for a sectional title or something like that. And I can kind of be like, I was at the ground floor when this all started. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, you're going to do this for good years to come, I guess. You're planning on doing this again? I, I mean, they gave me a, an award, man. I guess I got to keep you gotta keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. I think I've got to navigate it a little bit differently uh, doing the coaches show because for one, for baseball, there's games every day except Sunday. So Sunday is probably where that's going to stick. I have to schedule and do better about doing teams because I feel although uh, I did the coaches show every Sunday, it was probably the season that was a little most chaotic and I probably interviewed the least amount of teams. So Mm. it's important for me to realize, you know, why I do this. It's for the kids. Um, as much as it is cool to talk coaches in baseball and stuff like that, uh, the goal to do this is to interview kids. So I've got to, I've got to schedule a little bit better. I got to kind of organize a little bit better. Well, I mean, it was a wild year for everyone. So, I mean, I, I don't think you can be held that accountable for me. Well, I mean, it was a year ago. Yeah. I was in a radio studio doing it and now I'm yeah. doing it from my basement in the, at the house doing it via zoom, which I mean, has really kind of opened things up for me. I, I feel like I can kind of cover more kids. I feel like uh, everybody's a little more comfortable. Everybody really like doing it live and in a studio, but you know, kind of with how things are now, I, 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 I have, I've parted ways with the radio station, you know, I'm doing things on my own and it's, uh, it, it's going to be the way I go forward until I can kind of work out some other things to maybe find a spot in Kokomo who wants to come and let me do the show at a, at a location. Mm-hmm. So, uh, were you, would you have keep going with the zoom then into the future? How was yeah. zoom working out in general? Do you think it's comparable to talking live or do you like live more or I love like talking live to people like in okay. person really do enjoy that i think it's helped like there's a lot of kids who are really nervous to do this and i think zoom has allowed them to be a little more comfortable um because like they're at home or they might be with some friends doing it together that kind of thing versus you know coming to the studio we got the facebook live going and it's it's live they're they're meeting me for the first time in a lot of instances so like it's really easy for them to be nervous there has been a level of comfortability um you, you always you just deal with tech issues as far as zoom goes but uh as a whole i think it, it's worked it's allowed me to keep doing what i what i had been doing and uh it, until things change and i can get into a place 
that'll allow me to bring people in and record it that way. Uh, Zoom's probably the way to go for a little while. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but how do you think these kids are adjusting to life post? I mean, I hate to say post pandemic because it's still out there, but uh, you know, as the world reopens, I guess, and teams are getting back to more normal schedules, how much do you think kids lost student athletes? I, you know, talking to a lot of kids this year, uh, especially like juniors and seniors and stuff like that, they realize what was lost, especially with the spring season last year getting canceled. So I, I think there's a good chunk of people who who have the mindset of being very appreciative of what they have and taking full advantage of the seasons. I hope that kind of continues. I hope it's not just like a, a, a short-lived, like, you know, for this year. Like, I appreciate every moment you got because in most cases you got four years and it's done. Mm-hmm. And, and I, most of the kids that I talk to really kind of – uh, got a little more focused and appreciative of, and maybe enjoying the little things. You know, I heard more kids say this year that they just enjoyed practice. I hated practice. Nobody likes practice, <laughs> but these kids are generally just enjoying the time that they have with everybody. Because I think after losing a season and kind of getting robbed, I think they they realize you know nothing's promised. Between it, like you're already worrying about injuries and stuff like that, and you have a pandemic come and completely take away a season. And there were some teams last year who were, were could have made some really good runs, could have could have you know potentially been some state qualifying teams, and, and they didn't have that opportunity. So uh, it, it's definitely changed changed perceptions, and and I'm I've been impressed to see such young people. Not everybody's created equal, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's still some kids who just don't get it and still act the way that they do. But but to see a lot of kids in just the way they handled themselves and the way that they kind of perceive things going forward, I was impressed, man. It gives me a little bit of hope for our future. Mm-hmm. But how do you think colleges, recruiting-wise, do you think that they have taken this into account? Do you think that kids maybe missed some of their shots? Because of this? I think... Because they were still recruiting, I imagine, through the whole thing. I mean, it's just because yeah, they couldn't the, see the, new the, games, right? I the, mean... The problem was, here was, here's the way I look at it. You know, if you were a senior last year and you lost your season and you lost an opportunity to go play in college, if you were hoping on that one season to be it, you probably probably didn't have that great of a shot in the first place if i'm being honest most of these kids who want to play college ball or or in some way shape or form are playing travel ball they're playing year round they're playing during the summer blah 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 there's plenty of opportunity to see you and if a school wants you they'll get you so Mm -hmm. if you want to blame a missed season on a missed opportunity to go play college ball I think you might be a little delusional in that regard um (laughs) but I know a lot of kids that I've been covering for multiple seasons, they all went and played and, and they, they missed a season last year and then they're fine. I, I saw so many kids committing to playing college athletics this year, you know, especially coming off a pandemic year and, and missed season and everything like that. So I don't know. I mean, recruiting for college and everything, they had to do things differently too. They couldn't go watch anybody live. So mm-hmm. they're just for the uh they're looking for all the old film and everything they can possibly get too so like i said if if you wanted to play and you were worth playing they they found you mm-hmm. yeah um but let's talk about professional sports uh we were discussing this last night and uh okay so Tell me, tell me what has changed because I always thought in baseball the pitchers would spit on their hands, or was that is that outlawed? And they tell me what's happening with the balls and the substances. So this year, more than ever, um, and apparently it's been going on for a while. Um, baseball is cracking down on the substances that pitchers use. So the big thing that I've seen this year. It's called like spider tack or something like that, mm. um, and, it, it, and pitchers are using it on their fingers, and it's 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 helping spin rate. It, it it's helping you know the rotation on the ball and everything like that. 
So Major League Baseball now has decided they want to crack down on it. This isn't something new. You go back a couple of years ago, and there was a Cardinals game where a pitcher literally like spiked the ball in the dirt and it bounced up, and it stuck to the <laughs> catcher, catcher gear. So the problem's been relevant just now. I think baseball – Major League Baseball is the worst sport – when it comes to marketing itself in the United States, I think it's god awful. It's terrible. They do a poor job. They want mm. 15 to 20 runs scored every game. They want offense because they think the average fan is an idiot and they don't appreciate a good game. They just think offense, offense, offense. Well, pitchers have been pretty good over the course of the last couple of years, and, and, and offense, I think, has struggled in a lot of ways. And so Major League Baseball wants more offense. So what do you do? You're going to handicap the pitchers. You're going to now say, hey, guys, I know we've let you get away with this for the last few years, and now you have to stop. Hmm. So it's kind of one of those things. It's like the pitchers, they're not even hiding it now. They're like, you know, you're going to let us do this for years, and now you're stopping us. I'm like, So it's cheating to me, but I'm also like an old school fundamental guy when it comes to this. But I don't know. Yeah. Major League Baseball had a problem with steroids, but they have no problem with pitchers doctoring the ball until it affects the offense. So it, mm-hmm. it's a problem. I don't – I'm curious to see how it plays out because you already had a pitcher flat out say he hurt himself because he had to change the way he pitched because he could no longer use the sticky stuff. Mm-hmm. That that's an admittance of guilt to me right there. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that so you don't really care so much about this or do you? How much do you care personally? As I've gotten older, I've had to let things go. <laughs> I I would love to sit here and talk about the glory days and all that, but the the, the times are changing and I realize that. So, mm. if if you've let it go for so long and you knowingly knew by changing it now, you're essentially screwing a certain group of people who, because it's affecting one thing, you're now punishing them as a whole. So it, it, I don't know. I, I, I'm a little torn. It, it's been okay for the last few years, which I thought was bullshit in the first place. I was like, you, you should have been covering this from the get-go. But it wasn't hurting their bottom line, or it, maybe it wasn't affecting them the way it is affecting them now. But the, the baseball has an image problem. They're, tr- they're trying to get more offense. It, it, it's all connected that way. Mm. You know, g- the, the average fan, they think, does not want to see a no-hitter or a perfect game. As a baseball traditionalist, 100%. If I'm watching a perfect game or a no-hitter, I am locked in. I'm not changing the channel. But they think the average baseball fan's an idiot. So, hey, what do I know? <laughs> but you – okay, but I remember we've talked about this before, and you are anti-doping, and you think that that is wrong and against the purity of the game. But I agree. You seem, you seem to be a little bit more permissive since they've been permissive. Right. I, I'm still anti. I'm still anti steroids. Right, but the stuff. yeah, the sticky but stuff. Yeah. I don't love the the using the substances by pitchers, mm. but if you're gonna look away and let this happen for an X amount of time, but now that it's affecting you know the offenses and stuff like that or the, or the production numbers, now you want to crack down on it. I. If you want to say something's wrong, then correct it from the beginning. Don't turn a blind eye and let shit happen, and then all of a sudden, well, now it's affecting something else. We have to address this now. No, it was wrong three or four years ago, however long it's been going on, but it didn't bother you then. It bothers you now. It's just mm-hmm. like you punishing your kids. You're going to let your kids be an asshole or you know do bad behavior, then all of a sudden, like, okay, now I'm drawing the line. Like, it's... Right. You, you, the, your kids and baseball players and athletes they're going to do what you let them get away with mm-hmm. well and um, you know at this gives them more control I assume if it gives them a higher spin rate that means it's more accurate right well there's a funny statistic that goes along with that is they actually say it sacrifices control 
because you're doing it more for the spin rate because they say uh, hit batters is up this year compared oh, to like huh. ten. So there, there's, there's more of a that you're sacrificing, like I said, the, the control for the spin rate. And mm-hmm. the spin rate is what's making everything look so nasty. It's making, you know, the sliders go away faster. It's making, you know, the cutters go in harder. I mean, it's the spin rate is what the batters are having the biggest problem with. Gotcha. So that, that kind of explains it there. But mm-hmm. uh, I found it in a, an interesting correlation that the, the control goes down and more guys are being hit. Mm. Um. But what do you think baseball needs to do differently? Obviously, there's people that, you know, they have all these suggestions about, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, Didn't they, like, they already took the mound down, right? Because it used to be up higher, and then they took it down. Or did they? Or they just talk about that? So, they're trying stupid-ass rules. They've got this rule now that when it goes to extra innings, you start with a runner on second. Mm. It's stupid. Everything is geared towards offense. They want baseball parks if they want base they want baseball parks to be hitter friendly. So they don't want you to have an outfield wall that is, you know, three hundred and seventy feet or further all the way around. They want you to have some short corners. They want you to have, you know, a hitter friendly ballpark, which is absurd to me. So they're talking about banning the shift. Like baseball is so annoying because they think they don't know who their audience is yet. They continue to constantly try to change shit. And that's, what's bothersome. And I think that's what a lot of the traditional baseball fans are irritated about. It's like, stop changing the rules. Stop trying to cater the game to the people who don't care about baseball. Mm -hmm. Do Do you think, okay, for instance, most people in America don't give two shits about soccer. And so, you know what soccer did? They elim- or hockey the same way. They eliminated ties. They went to shootouts or that you go to overtime and you go to shootouts so you have a winner. People still don't care about soccer. Mm-hmm. So do you think by increasing the average runs per game by, to an extra three or four runs a game is automatically going to make somebody go, you know what? I want to like baseball. <laughs> no. I, uh, I, I've said this before and people may think it's a dick comment or whatever. Like, Baseball is a smart sport, and not everybody can get it. Like you, you have to, you have to want to enjoy it. You have to want to understand it. If you want to sit there and watch nonstop action, then watch basketball or baseball or basketball or football. That's fine. But baseball is, it's difficult. It's hard. You know, you're you're a Hall of Famer if you fail seventy percent of the time as you're hitting. Like it's it is what it is. It's not made for everybody. Mm-hmm. But do you think it can survive into the future? Because I don't know. It seems like I feel like the fan base, no offense, but does seem to be older compared to like basketball, for example. Skew's pretty young, I think. This is where I think Major League Baseball has a problem because they don't market their their product. You know the the greatest baseball player in the game plays at ten o'clock at night every night. Because he plays on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So why would you not have as many possible afternoon games when they're on the road? Like when when they're on the East Coast or they're you know in the Midwest or whatever, why would you not have a primetime game every possible time? No. Mm-hmm. When they, they play 9 o'clock or later virtually every game. Your best player in the game. How are you going to market that? <laughs> how are people going to know if he's – like? People don't know who the home run leader is or who, who you know the best player is because they never get to see them play. Mm-hmm. And they don't have advertisements. They don't have commercials. They don't have their best players going on talk shows. Like they're they're not doing this. Mm-hmm. So like uh, Mike Trout is considered the best best baseball player in, in in the game, but he plays for the LA Angels and he's never on prime time. Javi Baez, El Mago, one of the most electrifying players in the game. As a Cubs fan, I know who he is. Maybe a few other, you know, a few other fan bases know who he is. But why would you not put these people who have personality? The problem with baseball is they don't like people who have personalities. They don't like players mm-hmm. who who want to do a bat flip or want to, you know, you know, show this personality and you know, really show a character. Because then at that point, oh, they're trying to be bigger than the game. No, they're just having fun. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I would say as somebody who, you know how much attention I pay to sports, I would probably say I know the names of more basketball players than any other sport. Well, that's because uh, ESPN has a heart on for LeBron James. <laughs> true, true. But I also watched the uh, Up and Smoke, uh, all, all, all the Smoke, rather, uh, podcast with, uh, do you ever see that? It's on Showtime. Uh-uh. Oh, it's good. It's uh, Matt Barnes and uh, okay. oh, who's the other guy? Anyway, you would know who they are. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, no, they've they've had a fair number of of people. I, I, interestingly, I watched, <laughs> I started watching one episode with um, uh, it said Isaiah Thomas, and oh. I thought it was gonna be Isaiah Thomas, like the Isaiah Thomas that I grew up with, but it, oh. apparently it's another basketball player named Isaiah Thomas who's no relation to Isaiah Thomas. Yes, and and so much. I mean. <laughs> You're not a basketball. So I watched like for half an hour. I'm like, when is man? When's he going to talk about the Pistons? He never talked about the Pistons yet. <laughs> so I remember you. You know, you're not a basketball fan or anything like that. But you were still into the uh, the Last Dance, the uh, the Incredible, Jordan. Yeah, it was a great documentary series. And 100%. I don't think I don't think we've talked since you watched that. Oh yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. I thought it could have gone on much longer. I I would love a Rodman only. You could do ten episodes on Rodman just <laughs> alone. That guy's had a life. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was a blast from the past. I remembered a strangely lot amount of those uh, games, like with the Jazz, and uh, yeah, I, I remember just going crazy uh, when oh, you know the shot, the shot. It's like called the shot or whatever, right? Isn't yeah. it? You know, I remember that vividly, uh, and I was like dancing across my living room for for some reason i don't even know but uh yeah that was great so i'll tell you the one thing i took away from that and just as like you know as a competitor and stuff like that like when michael jordan sat there and says winning has a cost oh yeah like because people talk about he's like did i get in people's ass yeah he's like did i do this yeah he's like well the people don't like me yeah he goes but we won he goes, right. the goal was achieved. Winning has a cost. Mm-hmm. And that's a fact. If you want to be good at anything, whether it's, you know, your job or, or, or sports or anything like that, like you make sacrifices. And Jordan had no problem doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I another interesting takeaway was, uh, I don't remember what player this was, but he like, he made up in his mind that someone had like, slighted him in some way and when it wasn't even true and he just like totally invented this beef because he needed that like fire inside of him to be like i'm gonna prove this person wrong and the person was probably they were just like oh what (laughs) oh yeah but that's kind of i i do think there's a fair amount of like i'm gonna show you i'm gonna show all of you (laughs) like i think that gets that gets things done i know that's inspired me to do things in my life uh to be like yeah you know what <laughs> i'm gonna do it even harder <laughs> you, you know you you need a level like if you want to exceed at anything you need somebody to rub you wrong you need right. somebody to drive you because it, i mean without a struggle there really is no oh, yeah. real level of achievement right mm-hmm. like if, if you don't go through the rough times you don't appreciate it when it's good like if you didn't, mm-hmm. you know, do the work to, to win the awards, the awards wouldn't mean anything. Right. Like if everything came easy. So it's like, you know, that's why you appreciate that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, one quote, and I don't remember which coach said this on your show, but uh, they were like, the pressure is a privilege. And I was like, yeah, that's that's very true. Um, cause I mean, you, you get to this other, it's always the thing of, I always think once I get this one thing, uh, I'll be fine. I don't. Have, I don't need to do anything else. And then I do the thing, and then it's like, well, that's not enough. I can't just have it be that. I can't just get here and go boo and be gone. I have to like, I have to do the next thing. Uh, you know what I mean? And you never like, and and of course you have to appreciate where you're at too. But it's always like, you know, it's a, the the goals keep changing. I don't just want, you know, I've I've I won three awards this year. I want to win four. 
uh, <laughs> next year, <laughs> throwing it out there. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want, uh, you know, once you, once you get that, you're like, yeah, I need, I need more of this. I need, I, I need whatever's next after that. So. Oh, you bet your ass I want to repeat as E-District Media of the Year. <laughs> well, who else is coming for that? They're not getting it. <laughs> I'll tell know. you that right now. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a media person of the year. Like they, There's a couple different like awards they give out for each district. So uh-huh. I'm just trying to get what I can. <laughs> sure. 100%. Absolutely. You know what's um, funny, though? You talk about, you know, you're talking to these coaches and stuff like that. Like, the generation of kid and athlete has changed. I had mm-hmm. one coach who literally is like, he's like, I, the kids have to want it. He goes, I can't make them. He's like, it's like they're just happy to be here. And mm. that is a wild mindset. That is a wild, like, in today's age that the kids are just like, hey, you know, wins and losses, we're just out here having fun. Like, no. You play to win the game. Right. This isn't, this isn't Little League. This isn't rec ball. Like, you're playing high school sports. And this is where I think, like, where to the level now? If you're playing high school sports, like, coaches can be fired for your lack of success. Mm-hmm. So like we're, we're, I mean, not to the level of like college or pros or anything like that, but high school coaches can lose their jobs based off, you know, poor performing. So if you have kids who are literally just happy to be here, that is a wild generational thing. Like I don't mm-hmm. get it, but Hey, you know, to, to each his own, but not all programs are, are equal. You know, I, I look at, you know, a Western, he doesn't have that problem. Like those kids, the expectations are high. They go in there, expect to win. Um, I, I think a little bit with them this year, you know, they got upset by Northwestern in the sectional, but like, I think a little bit of it was, you know, there's expectations and there was kind of a, there was a lackadaisical arrogance, so to speak. Like they just figured they were going to walk through and win and it, and it bit them. Um, but then on the, on the other end, you know, you have kids at the, at the varsity level, like tri-central who don't know the number positions. They don't know the pitcher's number one and the catcher's number two and so forth and so on. They didn't know that. So mm-hmm. like not all programs are created equal. And the biggest thing is creating a culture. You have to have a culture. You have to have established coaches who are at places for a long time. You are not going to have successful programs. If you have a revolving door of coaches, that is what I've learned. <laughs> So the ones you've seen have the most success, have the most stability and least turnover and oh, the, they have longevity, at the top. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> well, because look too, you know, you look at the Westerns, they it's not like they just have a huge talent pool. These kids work their ass off. They play baseball year round, they're playing travel ball, they're putting the work in. You go to say a tailor who they have a lot. They have kids who could be really good, but you only have one or two of them who play travel ball. Well, mm-hmm. when I'm looking at Western and 90% of their teams playing travel ball and playing ball year round, and Taylor only, you know, one tenth of their roster is playing travel ball, who do you think ends up being better when baseball season rolls around? Mm-hmm. The people who are most dedicated to it. Yeah. There's no, I mean, if you want something bad enough, there's no off days, you know, it's like you, you, you just got to get from point A to point B and it's like, whatever it takes to get there is what it takes to get there. And what's and funny like, too is, uh, what's funny too is like, I, I know a couple of kids who are on the Western baseball team, but they also play tennis and basketball and everything like that at a high level. They play on the varsity. So after varsity basketball practices and games, they were going to work on pitching and they were going to like training for baseball. So, like, if you it, – it's way different than when we were in school where, like, literally, like, football season, you play football, basketball, you play basketball, mm. baseball, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's different now. Like, there is no excuse for kids today to not be successful. There are so many outlets. There are so many opportunities. And if you're not taking advantage of them, you can't sit there and cry and whine on why you don't get what – you know, you, why you weren't successful. Mm-hmm. I think that's true for a lot of things nowadays, uh, really. You know, it's like there's so many more, you know, it's what you make of it. You know, the tools are all around you. The the opportunities are all around you. It's are you ready to make the most of them? So There has been no easier time to create your own brand, mm. your, own, your own content. Because look at you, Rob. Look at me. Like, we completely... The one thing I take pride in, too, is like we build our audiences 100% on our own. Absolutely. Based off what we do, who we talk to, what we mm-hmm. do, like our content is what has grown our brand. Yeah. Tw- 10, 15, 20 years ago, we wanted to be able to do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You were literally going to have to just publish work. You're going to have to do print. There mm-hmm. was no media, social media, for to do the things that we do now. 
And anybody can do that. Literally, mm. there's 10 year olds on TikTok who have brains who are millionaires. Like, like, there is no easier time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear excuses for anything. Mm-mm. No way. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, I used to have to record things on the VHS <laughs> back in the 90s off of TV. Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> Speaking of which, when's that 90s podcast coming back? What's up with that? I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to John about it tomorrow, but uh, I do think we're going to probably get that going back in July. Oh, so boy. probably after, after, the, after the fourth holiday. All right. So, I've, been so refreshing, I, I, I've been refreshing the feed. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, I think yeah we're gonna we're gonna put out some summer series and uh, I, I'm really excited to talk about OJ. That's a oh, big yeah, one. Yeah, that's a huge one. I can't wait for that episode. I remember that. I was just thinking about that today. It was actually just the anniversary. Um, I, I saw today. yeah I saw the video of him on the the yeah the Bronco driving. It, it's funny man. I follow him on Twitter. That's wild. He's on Twitter. <laughs> dude, he he is such an entertaining figure. Mm. Like he 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 just has. Like that charm, that smoothness. And I sit here and I go, I follow a murderer on right. Twitter. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I can't look away. Right. Uh-huh. He's always like, hey, yours truly. And I'm like, Jesus. Like, you killed two people. Right. You're drawing, <laughs> you're drawing six figures in retirement from the NFL. You're living in Vegas, golfing every Really? Day. He still gets his retirement from the NFL after all oh, that? God. He's a Hall of Famer. He draws... I think 150 or 200k a, a year. No and he way! Was wow. While he in prison. He collected that while he was in prison in Nevada. Wow! Wow! wow. Goodness gracious. Well, he was Norberg on the Naked Gun movies. I used to love those. Um. <laughs> it's, it's wild, man. Just yeah. Like, I'm fo- like I'm, we could all follow a murderer on Twitter. Yeah, right. It's like Charles Manson having a TikTok or something like. <laughs> Which is probably what would happen today if he was out. Mind blown, man. Like, <laughs> this is wild. That's crazy, man. Um, but uh, yeah. So, well, we're uh, we're near the end now, and I must ask you, what uh, music have you been listening to lately? What have I been listening to? Uh, the new Foo Fighters. Oh, is it good? I haven't heard it yet. It, it's a it's a mixed bag. There's some things uh, I really do enjoy on it. Um, uh, the new J Cole. Oh, okay. I'll check that out. Dude, J, like. I like the um. What's this group? He has Dream. Is it Dreamville? Is that him? Yeah. So, okay. so his, yeah, I've heard that. New, his new album, uh, called The Off Season, is really good. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is a superb lyricist and just like he comes hard like i i love it a lot cool Uh, that's probably what i've been listening to the most um like i said the foo fighters album um i don't know if anything else is on my radar Mm. yeah i went back and listened to uh the first two foo fighters albums which are my favorite the other day Uh and it's just man just flawless so good yeah, that they're they're they've got tour dates popping up. I'm hoping they swing through Indiana. We'll see. <laughs> Did uh, you watch that documentary I sent you uh, <laughs> with him and Brian Johnson? That was that was really good. I did. I, I that's really good. He's got um he's got the show that he does with his mom, and they go around to artists and talk to artists and their moms and stuff like that. It's like uh-huh. cradle to the stage or something like uh-huh. that. I haven't watched it yet. I think it's on Paramount. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah, <laughs> he talks about how he broke. They show and they show the video too of him falling off the stage and breaking his leg, and then he goes back on the stage and the like stage hand like holds his leg in yep. place as he yep. like plays the rest of the concert. So, I like, that I gotta just res- yeah. How can you not respect Dave Grohl? Come on. So, so <laughs> like, he did that. He did that literally like a month before his U.S. tour. Oh. He did it. He did it like Glastonbury or some shit. And uh. so, yeah. So he came and he had like a Game of Thrones stage. That's hilarious. Uh, like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I saw that show. It, nice. it was like for a dude who had to sit in a chair for two and a half hours, the the energy that he brought was just phenomenal. And I think two years later he came back and he wasn't in the chair. He was healthy. And just the Foo Fighters are just like. 
if they come to town, I'm paying. Like there, there's no nice. question about it. Like I'm gonna be there. <laughs> well, if it's an outdoor outdoor show, I might have to bring uh, the kids. I don't know if they're ready for a uh, loud rock concert like that, but maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> so. dude, man, he, if you haven't seen them, dude, I recommend it. They you yeah. want to talk about a hell of a rock show. And that's, that's what. That's, yeah, I've had several friends tell me the same. I it's on my bucket list for cheesy. Um, but uh, well, thanks for coming back on, dude. It's pretty late, I know, uh, for <laughs> for you compared to what you're usually doing. But uh, yeah, I hope you uh, have a good day off here tomorrow and stuff. And thank you again for coming back on. It was a blast. So it's always my pleasure, man. I, I appreciate uh, always you inviting me and just uh, in, enjoying the the relationship and the camaraderie that we've uh, we've grown over the years so i, I appreciate you me 100%. and uh, me and sig are actually heading to uh, atlanta here in another week what? so uh, yeah the original That's great. the original sounding off crew is uh is getting together to take a little road trip down to uh, atlanta <laughs> to watch some baseball that's incredible. You guys got to keep the uh, recorder rolling all the way to and from because this could be a fear and loathing in Las Vegas <laughs> situation. We, we might, I, I, I might just, I might give him like uh, the sounding off Instagram and like <laughs> we're gonna document this for uh, the for the four you days. Have to. Uh, I, I would, so. yeah, hundred I mean, percent. How do we not? get to Atlanta and then have a video of us playing like in Jermaine Dupree's welcome to Atlanta. Like you I, have to, yeah, I think it's to, a loss somewhere. We're, we're, we're walking into the stadium. Like we have to have, a deal with that, right? I feel like it's a law. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, well, uh, have fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll be listening to whatever you do next for sure. I mean, I appreciate you. You're the man, Rob. Cool. Have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Later, buddy. Bye-bye.
Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, RSS, and now Spotify. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Also, if you want to call or text the show for any reason, the number is 317-674-3547. Until next time.